Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're doing a variety show here. <laughs> oh, and just the Roatan team, if you could all just lay your hands on the air conditioner over here. On your way out. That's not a joke. Okay. <laughs> we can see the deaf here, the lame walk, but the air conditioner, that's a different thing. All right. Um, this is a joy um, for me personally. I'm going to try to say a few few words today, um, but to receive Jacqueline back from sabbatical. So some of you are new to the church and have never met Jacqueline Furness. Um, she has been our community pastor for the last thousand uh, years. Uh, and um, I'll kind of introduce what she's coming back to do because it's changing a little. I'm excited about that. But uh, I wanted, uh, as when Jane and I came back from sabbatical, um, Logan interviewed us to just give us a chance to share. I wanted to do the same with, with Jacqueline, to just let her share what the Lord did on her sabbatical. So um, I'll ask some questions, and you're free to say whatever you want. Um, so give us a little insight as to why did you go on sabbatical? What was the purpose? What were your hopes, dreams? Just talk about the why of this. Can I do something first? You can do anything. Okay. <laughs> I think that the most precious thing that I'm living in right now is the gift of what God does in the midst of walking out life. And so I just want to take a minute because so touch my heart. Um, Stephen Stasek and Kurt Roberts and Sarah Kimball are here. On my first, Sarah's been here for a while, but my first day back, and my sabbatical was about walking out in the world. Mm. And they particularly are three people who I repeatedly go back to and think, who does loving and being Jesus in the world? You guys are the people that I think about. Mm. And so what an honor to be able to just, the preciousness of God, to say, you guys, to thank you, because I didn't know what a gift you were until this last three months, and then for you to be there. You were in my mind so much of walking in the world. It's just such a, such a pleasure. That's great. So why I went? <laughs> um, part of it is just it's one of the values of the church, is to recognize that when you do ministry, there is a time and a really necessity to t take a step out. And so I took advantage of that. What I thought I wanted was a whole bunch of me time. And what people kept saying is, you deserve some time for yourself. You give so much. And I thought, surely that's the stamp of God. And so I'm all about... I'm going to spend time creating these creative, beautiful memories with my kids. I'm going to spend some time with Tom. I'm going to find places within myself that I have not had time to explore. I'm going to be all about me. And then none of that happened in <laughs> any of the way that I'd hoped. You want me to continue? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what did happen... <laughs> <laughs> That's my next line. <laughs> what did God do, say, or reveal? Okay. <laughs> Something happened that I didn't think had a lot of significance at the very few, last few days of being in the church. And one of those is this beautiful woman 
in one of the last sessions we were in the prayer room, and she said, I encourage you to be. Just go and be, and you'll see God do miraculous things. And if anyone has given you that advice, you know how you go, I'm all about that. And in your mind, you're going, I wonder what that looks like. (laughs) And God just showed me about what sitting and being is like. And it is so, in the moments of my life where I thought, that is, I love to do. I love to see the kingdom move. I love seeing people free. But God went, being is just as simple as surrendering and then trusting him to allow you to do the things he's called you to do. And I thought, I can do that. The second thing was even more strange and out of context to who I was and what I thought the sabbatical would be about was I had two interesting ministry times with people. And if you are, I do not remember who they are, but if you're in here, I humbly repent for everything that I said to you in that time. <laughs> it but was me. Came... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was. They came to me and they were in this heart-wrenching moment of their life where they said and they were concerned that everything that they were doing in Jesus' name, that they would come to the place and Jesus would say, I don't know you. Hmm. And I thought, I don't have any place to put that. Like, that was unbelievable because I don't know anybody like that. And then God started this journey with me into places into spiritual realms that I just, spiritual disciplines and spiritual places that I just have not visited for a long time. And I encounter people's lives who love Jesus and are seeking truth and their teachings or their communities or their brokenness or whatever reason, they were truly in that place, that distinction had gotten mixed up with truth and the Jesus that they were following wasn't the Jesus that I knew. Mm-hmm. And God said, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. So then my next big thing was, holy smokes, who would have thought? And I asked God, I said, how do you protect yourself from that? And he reminded me a couple things. One of them was... Let, let me clarify. Okay. Protect yourself from what? From deceit. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Just to let you know, I have given Randy permission to reinterpret (laughs) and explain or interrupt. I speak, Jacqueline. I've I've learned the language. (laughs) We've been doing this for a long time. But what he said is, is, give me glory. If you can give me glory in what you're thinking or doing or being, you cannot not align with me. And I thought, okay. I will be honest. I thought, why, God, does it always have to be about you? <laughs> I'm a little bit about me. <laughs> and he helped me so clarify this. So just in case, I'm going to share what he clarified in me. So he said, you know, when you give me glory, when your eyes are purely on me, then what that does is allow you to be fully you. So it isn't so that you... You take your eyes off of you when you're on me. It's that you pull the fullness of who you are so you can live and trust the Jesus within you, the Holy Spirit that speaks. So that just helps. Two two things I want to interrupt to to confirm. One, 
Um, that's Lori's message from last week, I think, is what, what Jacqueline just said, that if we, when he keep, we keep our eyes on him, when we know who we are in him and know who he is, we can be fully ourselves, and then we can be the community. Um, so that, is, that hits me hard. But the other thing, just watching Jacqueline, if you see, I'm sorry to do this, but her hand is shaking like this. That's not fear. That's when the Holy Spirit comes, that's what goes on with Jacqueline. So when we're in, sitting in a meeting and she's shaking, I know God's doing something good. <laughs> Just letting you know, God's speaking. Back to you. The other thing that I really learned is the necessity to be close and be in community and not just, not just show up, but be in community. And I know you guys have been talking about that for a while, and Lori really spoke. I listened to her message last week. But we have had a lingering prophetic word over the church about missional communities. And never have I felt, I always felt more obligation, like I should sign up for that, but never a sense of a need to sign up for that. And in this three-month sabbatical, God said, you know what? If you want to stay fully aligned, you've got to be not only in community, you have to have people know you. And you've got to create an environment that is your people, that when you are looking at the, if you are going to go out of an alignment, you need people who call you back in and you trust them and you care about them. And they so love you that they will say and have the hard conversations. And I think God has called us, and in this season where we are in revival, that revival is going to happen in community. Mm-hmm. And so we may experience a lot of benefit and a lot of amazing, powerful things on Sunday morning, but revival is really going to happen personally in the community that you create. That's really good. So I just encourage you, and I'm going to release this because I'm releasing it out of my own self, but just God, for all the places of and reasons that people say how, why, I don't, I can't. God, I ask that you would just transcend all of that and instead allow them to ask who, God, who, and how. For us at the Vineyard, I think it is missional communities because I think that the other really important part of this for me is you stay aligned by being bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. So it as much as I know that some people are going, yeah, but I have this really good group of friends, and they help, it's friends with a purpose that move the king, kingdom yeah, forward. That's really good. And so I'm so excited for us. I'm so excited to be back home. That's okay. So uh, claps. <laughs> um, let, let me give a, put a little definition around missional community. I find it very interesting um, Jacqueline and I just interacted in this last week about what questions I would ask just so we could, you know, be together in, in some alignment. And, and I saw in what she wrote that this kind of thing about missional communities, which is interesting to me, when we think, talk about missional communities at the Vineyard, um, we're thinking about a, 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 a sort of family on mission, extended family on mission. Think 25, 30, 40 people who are collected around the presence of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit, led by the Word, and, uh, and cared for by God with a purpose, so that mission drives them. So it's a group of people, uh, 
uh, some uh, authors say a missional community is a group that's small enough to care but big enough to dare. So think of an extended family where the spirit is moving through fivefold gifts and, and all the gifts that God's given to them, but it, it is all, it's around the presence of God, but it's in order to carry the presence of God into the world. So a missional community is a, it's, it's more than a home church, it's more than a home group, it's more than a transforming group. It's a people collected and called with unbelievers kind of in the midst of it, a la Acts 2.42 to 47. You know, they get together and they eat and they, they worship and they work together and they pray together. And in their midst, they see daily the Lord bringing people to Jesus. Because of, big, of their big evangelism? No, because they're worshiping Jesus, their eyes are on him, and Jesus is calling people. The Father is calling people. So that's when we talk about missional community, that's what we're talking about. And the Lord spoke to me years ago now, and we've been trying to work out what does this mean because I don't know. But he said to me very, very clearly because I don't think like this. He said, Randy, 300 followers in 10 missional communities will be 3,000 leaders in 10 years. And I just said, okay. There was no how, there was no when. That word is probably four years old, so he's got to move. <laughs> but, but then in the last month, I have had three conversations with people in this body, actually sitting here in this church today, about what it might mean for them to be a missional community. What is God doing in them that might take them a little farther away from here, but that they might be one field in this farm that the Lord calls the vineyard? So I just want to give you a little context for that. And then ask you one more question. When you say we're in revival, uh, Marvin and Dave had a similar word. Other people have said that. Talk about that. Like, what do you mean? What do we do? What's your personal response to that? This is off the record here. So, <laughs> um, It has been so interesting to me because I know that I am called to the people of this church. It's where I invest. It's where I love. It's where I see and are committed to freedom for um, every single person, how I pray. And so I have not been out of this church for years, but I've been committed to this church for 21 years. Mm -hmm. This is the first time that I actually walked out of the doors and never went anywhere, never went to a church service, just lived life with Jesus. And one of the and what I loved about that and what I trusted because we've done this once before with Jane and Randy is that I'm not going to come back into the church out of step. Mm-hmm. And so it has just been so fun for me to sit and and go god what what is my life going to look like? What is what is what's going to happen in this next season and and god to say we're in revival. Mm-hmm. I have to be honest and when I wrote this, I thought, what does revival, what does that actually mean? Because, and I was going to look up the definition, and I'm sure everyone, Marvin and Dave and Randy, have done beautiful definitions of revival. So it was, God, what does that mean for me? And I thought, oh, revival. Revival is when it gets easy. Mm. Revival is when what you put energy and effort, and you've worked on your character, and you've worked on your relationship with all of the Godhead, it just is easy. Mm. It all just becomes more real Mm. and more tangible. 
But it's also a place where you need less faith mm. to do the work of the kingdom because you are seeing. It's like the Rotan people are a good example of that. So much easier to pray healing when you when you're pretty sure it's going to happen. Yeah. Much harder, <laughs> you know, when it's two out of ten that get healed. Yeah. But when it's nine out of ten, yeah. you just want to do it again. Yeah. When God has already visited Himself, stirred in the lives of people, their need for for Him. So much easier to be willing to say. You know, God highlighted me, and they'd say, yeah, I just had a dream, or I just was stirred, or I just had a memory of church, to walk and say, let me help you. So it is in the vineyard we're doing this stuff. It's doing all the amazing stuff of the kingdom easily. Yeah. And that's Marvin and Dave said basically that when they spoke. You know, I asked them a similar question. They said, it's a lot about rest. It's, it's about resting in what God is already doing because you don't have to make it happen. I think the very first, uh, one of the first Sundays of our sabbatical, Phil Strout, National Director of the Vineyard, came in. We weren't here, but I, this is a year ago. I heard the message, and I think his message was, um, the pressure's off. Yeah. Like, you don't have to go out there and make it happen because God's on the throne. You get to cooperate. It might be difficult at times, but Jesus is in the midst of you. That's good news. So I'm thrilled for that. Anything you would want to give to us, share with us that we haven't covered in the next one other thing that I think living in this particular family and just excited to be back home is I want to be different. And I want to be different. And I realize that the world doesn't need any more people talking about Jesus. But Boy, do they need us to live like Jesus, to love unconditionally, and to bring warmth and insight to actually see people and be willing to know them with no agenda. I am so, what I would love you guys to do, because you know how when you come home, you've been away for a long time, and you come home and you think, I'm so different and then pretty soon you're home and you realize you fall back into the same patterns that your family has always put you in so i'm gonna i just would love you to hold me accountable because i really want to live differently with jesus more real in my life in the midst of all of you i may never leave the church again i want to love you all well unconditionally not with with even with Jesus leading, but with the heart that Jesus has given me leading. That's good. Thanks, Jacqueline. She just asked 250 people for accountability. <laughs> <laughs> that takes a lot of courage. <laughs> All right. Um, Lynn, would you come forward? We're going we're gonna to end our time this morning with communion. And there is no better way to learn how and to be filled with the power to live like Jesus than to commune with Jesus. Nancy mentioned before John 15, we abide in the vine, and from our abiding comes fruit. So communion, the Lord's Supper, is an invitation of Jesus to his people to abide daily. So if you have given your life to Jesus, he lives within you, you know that he is your Lord and he's your Savior, then this is a meal for you. And as Lynn plays, I'm just going to invite you to come forward, take the bread and uh, uh, dip it in the juice or take the, the communion packet there. And remember that Jesus came for you. 
He lived for you. He died for you. And on your behalf, he rose again from the dead so that you could have new life. He took your sin. And upon your profession of simply the faith, Jesus, I give you my sin and I receive from you your righteousness. You become a child of God. So if that's you, this is your meal. If you hear that and you think, I want that, but I don't know how to, then I'd invite you to come forward. I'll sit in the front. Uh, Delaney will be here. Jacqueline will be here. The Rotan team is there. We would love to introduce you to Jesus, who is the Savior of our souls. So uh, let me pray for us, and then you can come forward for communion when you're ready. God, thank you that you have invited us. Thank you for the reminder that uh, you've done all the hard work. And we get to cooperate now in salvation, in sanctification, in holiness, and in joy. So I ask, Lord, that you'd fill us now as we come to take your body and your blood, remembering who you are and what you've done to make us who we are so that we can live our lives like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come forward when you're ready.